0: The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout harass, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day, except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You
1: can't handle
0: the truth. You're doing that of your
1: own free
0: will. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless.
1: That's offensive! So
0: there isn't much you can do about it, Chotterhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe,
1: and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking ball!
0: Are you ready? Let's get it on! on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Welcome to the Crusade Channel's live classroom, Philosophia Parenis, classroom and chat room for tonight, 26 April 2017. Tonight we will be covering St. Thomas Aquinas' Homine About Man, if you translate that out. Lecture number 10, we are live on my website at mikechurch.com. You can participate in the live chat. It's free. Don't cost nothing. Simply go to MikeChurch.com, and when you get to the site, on the uh, top menu, if you pull down Catholicism and then Philosophia Pedenis, on that page, scroll down and find the DeHomene homepage, and on that page, you shall find the chat room, where we are live and chatting tonight. Again, uh, we are here every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. on the East Coast, and uh we are also busy in the background preparing uh 115 or so uh previous lecture chat room and discussions that we had over the whole course of Philosophia of that took place in 2015 and 2016 um uh, and a little bit into 2017 And uh, preparing that uh, to, uh, to run alongside Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday alongside the Hominay here. So I uh, look forward to that. Let's uh, now, uh, without further ado, go to the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire, and say hello to the very well-rested, very well-spiritually-energized Brother Andre Marie, fresh off a one-week silent retreat, but he is silent no more. <laughs> Good evening, Mike. So, no more silence, brother. you are ready to uh i was I was going to say rock, but that wouldn't be. All right, are you ready to philosophize? philosophinate?
1: yeah i'm uh, i'm I've got my philosophizing hat on now, Mike. <laughs> We're ready to go. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> so uh, we've made it all the
0: way through a uh, philosophy uh, or I'm sorry, Dahomine number number nine, and number ten tonight began with a, uh, a spirited look at, from Brother Francis Maloufar, uh, the original lecturer, uh, about a, a, a spirited look at the Beatitudes is where he began tonight. And he also introduced at the end a uh, something that I guess will become a Tuesday night uh, or a ritual into these Dehomene lectures, and we'll find out about that before the end. So he begins tonight with uh, the Beatitudes. Do you want to review any of the previous nine weeks, uh, brother, or do you just want to jump right into it?
1: Well, okay. So I guess what we could what we could start with uh, to to say something that's been said many times already. But you know, as we know, um uh Studiorum, mother studiorum, Right? Repetition is the mother of learning. So we don't uh, we're not shy about repeating ourselves. One thing I could do by way of review to help explain what the Beatitudes are, to to put them first on their spectrum, what category do they even belong to before we even talk about the particulars having to do with the Beatitudes. Remember Brother Francis was talking about how um, with, with brute animals, we can talk about their nature, what they are, we can talk about their properties. Um excuse me, we can talk about their powers and we can talk about their acts. So we can talk about their nature, actually, which includes their properties. We can talk about their powers and then we can talk about their acts. Those are three things, nature, power, acts. And with man, we can talk about all that too, but there's something that comes in between the powers and the acts And that thing that comes between the powers and the acts is what perfects the powers so that they can more easily perform the acts, the good acts anyway, that are proper to them. Because otherwise, if you don't um, perfect them with these things, then the powers are going to just do a lot of bad acts. Okay, I think we said that. we talk about in the life of in the life of, of morals and in, in the moral life, you're going to do you're going to do acts anyway. So it's like a garden, you know. You have to cultivate a garden. The flowers have to be cultivated. Weeds just happen. Okay. So if we don't make any effort in the moral life to be good, uh, then we end up getting lots of bad acts. We become slothful. We, we, we practice all of the uh, we, we, we sin. And we become vicious. So those things that fit in the human spectrum between powers and acts, those are called habits. Huh? And the good habits are called virtues. The bad habits are called vices. Now, when we so then in, in that in that fourfold division there between nature powers, habits, and acts, what would we call the theological virtues or the moral virtues? They'd be called the same thing. Those are habits. What do we call the, the, um, the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, which you talked about last time? Those we call acts. What we did? I say gift. Did I say gifts? I meant virtue. I meant uh, the fruits of the Holy Ghost. Fruits. The fruits of the Holy Ghost fruits. are called um, acts. the the uh, the the other things the the gifts of the Holy Ghost are actually habits. And then, when you talk about what we're talking about tonight, which is the Beatitudes, just like the fruits, they are acts. They are not habits. They're neither infused habits nor acquired habits, but they are acts. And in fact, as Brother Francis already told us a couple of weeks ago, the um, you can call the Beatitudes fruits, but they are higher than that list of 12 fruits that we've already spoken of. So... Um so that I think that's sort of semi review there. Okay. So when we're talking about man, we're talking we can talk about four things pertaining to man, his nature. We can talk about his powers, we can the 26 powers of man, Then we can talk about habits which perfect those powers and then we can talk about um acts and when we're talking about the beatitudes we're talking about acts but since acts are predicated upon the powers being perfected by habits then we need to have formed good habits before we can get to this thing on um, before we can get to this thing talking about the, the, the either, either the fruits of the Holy Ghost or the Beatitudes. So any of that makes sense? <laughs>
0: oh, it makes total sense because we uh, we reviewed this or we we started going over this about uh, three or four lectures ago uh with the uh, discussion into the uh, the fruits and the gifts and i think i i might have asked the uh, the question about what wh- wh- what was the difference between the fruits and the gifts or was something based on the uh on the on the gifts last week uh, and then in prior weeks brother we had conversations about uh about forming the habits and about why it's important to form uh, the habits and uh we had a discussion about uh prudence and how prudence would be is one of the uh, the cardinal um, cardinal virtues that you rely most on and form in a good habit because prudence is based on your experience, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was reading some while I was on retreat. I was reading something about prudence from a very good book, and um, he was simplifying what Saint Thomas had said about it. But yeah, with prudence. Um, there, there. You, you, you know. You have to have three things. You have to, del- you have to have a memory of the past. You have to deliberate for the present, and you have to command for, for the future. And all, all, all prudential acts are going to contain some element of that in it. But yeah, and and um, so, so of course, but of course, all these these virtues work in tandem with the um, gifts of the Holy Ghost, and they help us to carry out the fruits of the Holy Ghost, and they even help us to carry out. The, the Beatitudes. Uh, actually, if you if you look at um, what the, if you look at the doctrine of Saint Thomas on this, and and I have to say, we've really properly speaking when we're talking about the Beatitudes, we have definitely crossed the line. We have we have we have we have um, we have gone over the Rubicon. The die is cast. We are no longer in philosophy. We are in theology. <laughs> you can't. Talk about the Beatitudes <laughs> merely in a naturalistic way because they're supernatural realities. Are we on elephants? <laughs> Are we on elephants? You what? said we
0: crossed the Rubicon. We're Hannibal.
1: We're on elephants. Oh, oh, right? oh I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, sorry. Uh, we, we're, we're, uh, well, I was talking about Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the, the, uh, and that's when he said, Alia Yakta as the die cast. But so, yeah, we, we've, we've def- definitely crossed over into the realm of the, the entirely supernatural. But uh, I mean, that's okay. St. Thomas does it uh, in the Summa. And mo- most of where we get St. Thomas's philosophy is in his Summa Theologiae, which is a, which is a summary of theology. Go figure. Um, so, we're not, we're not going to be able to stay away from theology. We're, we're trying to talk about what, a, what are the most philosophical topics. Within, um, within St. Thomas's doctrine here that he's giving us. But the Beatitudes depend upon not only the life of the virtues. Remember, but Brother has already related for us the fruits of the Holy Ghost to the virtues. Now, since the fruits are acts, and since the virtues are habits, um, w- w- the way that he explained it was that the virtues, when we, uh, acquire the virtues in an excellent degree, the acts that are proper to those virtues are eventually going to be performed with some ease and some sweetness. And that is the concept of a, a fruit of the Holy Ghost. There's something sweet about it. Okay. There's something easy about it. Right. Um, and it's also produce. Now, remember that's what we we talked about two reasons why it's called fruit. It's produced by something else, namely, the virtues lived well. And it's also sweet. So those are two reasons why it's called fruit because we think of fruits as something sh- sweet. Um, the Beatitudes are even of a higher excellence, though they are also properly called fruits. They are higher than fruits. Not all, all Beatitudes are fruits, but not all fruits are Beatitudes, you might say. They're related as genus and species. The Beatitudes are a result not only of the life of the virtues, but of the life of the virtues perfected by the, uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So those seven gifts of the Holy Ghost that we list when they have perfected the virtues, then you get the life of the Beatitudes. And um, when we talk about the Beatitudes, we're not talking about something easy. You you don't exactly say, you don't wake up one morning after having gone to confession the day before and confessed a whopping huge list of mortal sins. You don't wake up the next day and say, oh, I'm gonna go out and do me some Beatitudes. (laughs) Because, uh, it's the, the Beatitudes assume a life of virtue that's already been lived, and assume a fairly high operation of the gifts of the Holy Ghost in the soul as well. And the question could be asked: Why is it that when Christ preached on the the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is that's his first sermon. I mean, he, he's, never, he's never spoken before um, to a large crowd. He gets up, sp- starts to address this crowd from the Mount of the Beatitudes, and gives this th- a sermon that's fairly lengthy. It's related in three chapters, three successive chapters of St. Matthew's Gospel, 5 six, and 7. And he starts with the Beatitudes, and it's the it's the, they're the first words out of his mouth in his public preaching. And they are the absolute summit of sanctity in this life. Now uh, you might you might ask the question, why the heck did he do that? Why didn't he start with, with the beginning? He really started with the end. And I would say that, well, Jesus was a great philosopher. And he st- obviously he was not merely a great philosopher. I didn't say that, but he was a great philosopher, and he started with the end. That's teleology. In other words, he laid out he laid out a program. Uh, he laid out a he, he said that he, here's a picture of absolute perfection. And all of the rest of my public ministry, and of course all of the example that I'm going to give you consummated in my, in, in my passion, is going to be how to achieve that ultimate pinnacle of perfection. If you want to see the Beatitudes, look at Jesus. Okay, So the, the, the Beatitudes are very much um, the, 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 the summit of of the life of virtue, the summit of the life of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, they're the summit of the Christian life. And um, okay, so a few a few um, more general things about the Beatitudes before we go on with them. Um, and this really is a quick summary of what Saint Thomas says about them. The Beatitudes they're they're supernatural acts, they flow with ease, and they result from the gifts perfecting the virtues. Uh, for Saint Thomas, the virtue the beatitudes are a preparation; they're a disposition, and they are even, as he says, some beginning of the happiness of heaven. So they're a preparation; they're a disposition, and even some beginning of the happiness of heaven. And in each beatitude, there are two parts. There is the um, there is the 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 act part, okay, and then there's the reward, because the, the, the beatitudes give um, actually a series of rewards there are promises that come with the beatitudes and I think it would be I think it would be wise of us uh, and we're trying to be philosophers which means we're trying to be wise I think it would be wise of us to 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 talk about the Beatitudes if not one by one, at least to rattle them off once. Um, but why don't we why don't we set the stage here? Because again, again we've crossed into theology here, so I'm not going to sound like a um, secular philosopher at all right now. Um, As you the, shouldn't. The um, in in the Old Testament. When Moses gave when God gave the law through Moses to his to his uh, people as they had just come out of bondage in Egypt now there's a whole background that I won't go into because <laughs> well okay they, they, they were supposed to have done certain things before God appeared to them on the mountain and gave them the law and they didn't do them and, and by the way, this is not something that people talk about very much, but it's right in the book of Exodus. Um, you, 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 you just kind of have to pay attention when you're reading it. it's in there okay the, the, uh, Mo- Moses tells the people because God told them that he's going to appear to them and give them and give them his, his, his make his will known to them, make his, make his statutes known to them and that for I think it was three days three days they could not go near their wives what he meant was they had to practice celibate chastity for three days and the weird thing is when God descends upon the mountain there is this scene of great um, I won't say chaos but there there is a um, let's just say Cecil B the mill would really have pushed the the um, the special effects of the era to the max, to try to portray what really happened on the mountain. Okay. Okay. There was the sound of a trumpet, there was lightning, there was thunder. Uh, The mountain appeared to be on fire. And uh, it was this extremely apocalyptic-looking scene. And, um, I mean, when people associate, you know, the the mean old God of the Old Testament versus the nice God of the New Testament, which, of course, is a ridiculous contrast... Uh, This is the kind of thing they mean. It was a very scary sight. And the people said to Moses, do not let God speak to us. You speak to him yourself. And of course, commentators have explained this, you know, in relation to, well, they mustn't have been faithful to what they were directed to have done.
0: So in other words, they were scared. Because
1: they knew they, they hadn't been faithful to that, they didn't feel prepared. God came and looked a bit scary, huh? I bet. Now, why am I talking about that? The, the, uh, a lot of commentators like to point out that in the New Testament—by um, uh, the way, I'm looking at the chat room, and I'm seeing that there's no, 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 no um, notes for Lecture 6— I'm going to see if I can find notes for lecture six, and I'll, I'll put up a link to them. Sorry about that. I can't do it while I'm talking because I, I I I don't uh, do the whole um, multitasking. multitasking thing very well.
0: Yes, focus, brother, focus.
1: Focus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so um, that background is a, is a start stands in stark contrast to what Jesus does when he goes up onto another mount. Huh? So the the commentators contrast the Mount of Beatitudes in the New Testament. With Mount Sinai in the Old Testament where God gave the old law, the Mosaic law. So he gets up on the Mount of Beatitudes and he opens his mouth. He began to teach them saying. and interestingly, the words that Saint Matthew gives and opening his mouth, he taught them saying. And a lot of the commentators point out, hey, um, all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets taught the people, and they said, "Thus saith the Lord." Thus spake, spake the Lord. But now we've got the Lord opening His mouth and saying. So this is the first time they're hearing um, this this revelation uh, directly from a divine person. Whereas in the in the Old Testament, they were hearing it indirectly through the prophets. And, um, and the, the scene is one of notable contrast. You have the scene of great bucolic tranquility. It's an idyllic scene. It's peaceful. Um, and you have these crowds, and they're not scared out of their wits because of all the thunder and lightning and trumpets and, 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 and uh, uh, fire and scariness. They are... Um, Attentive to what our Lord is saying and is preaching. Okay, so that's kind of an interesting little background by way of a compare contrast with the Mosaic law. And then he begins, as I said, with the end by showing them these, giving them these eight beatitudes, which are really the, the pinnacle of perfection. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the first beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall have their fill. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And now that's that's eight, and then there's a sort of this coda, or it can be conceived of as, part, as, as like part two of number eight, blessed are you when men shall, revo- they, when they shall revile you and persecute you and speak all that is evil against you untruly for my sake. Be glad and rejoice for your reward is very great in heaven. Okay, now that list of the Beatitudes, you will note that in each one, there is a, um, one is the, the, the act You know, blessed are, for instance, the peacemakers. And then there is the reward. So you get the act and then the reward. Um, So let's go back to the first one.
0: Uh, Blessed
1: are the poor in spirit, spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And um, you see something which is uh, a notable contrast because the poor in spirit, now, poor, we, we, we tend to think of material poverty when we think of the poor. But most of the commentators note that poor in spirit means humble. So this, this first beatitude goes with, it's an, it's an act of humility. Being poor of spirit is being poor in your own estimation, huh? being humble. And you get the promise of the kingdom of heaven. So that's the, so that kind of poverty actually gets you the greatest riches. Then the the next one, blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. When when I say that this is purely supernatural, this is this is perhaps the one, the second beatitude is perhaps the one where you notice this the most, because what's what does meekness? Who, who can tell me <laughs> what does meekness? stand in contrast to the virtue of meekness is there to moderate You have a, chat a pre- message from the, Michael Hamilton. The, the, uh, the virtue of meekness is there to moderate a um, particular um, Vice? Vice. And what is that? I'm sorry. Somebody keeps messaging me and I can't turn it off because it's on, it's on Skype. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the particular vice that meekness is there to check is the vice of anger? I was going to say
0: aggressiveness.
1: And you would think that the angry person, the truculent person, the, the 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 person who's mighty and so forth, is the one who's going to be inheriting land, right? He's going to be he's going to be the 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 conqueror. The problem, of course, is, is that supernaturally that doesn't work. And our Lord is is giving this teaching, which is really quite ironic. So, so the meek people, the, the guy who's not going to assert himself in an angry way, the guy who's not going to be a, a a conqueror and trample down other people's rights and so forth, they're going to possess the land. Now, I have to say that land here has a uh, it's a word that is something of a of a consecrated concept in in Hebrew and in the and in the language of the of the Bible. Uh, I believe the Hebrew word—it's the same as the um, the newspaper in Jerusalem, Haaretz, the land—and the concept of the land is a very important concept in the Old Testament. It's a reference to the Holy Land as distinguished from the rest of 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 the um, of the earth, and it's God's holy place. So it's not just any land; it's God's holy place, and by extension it is applied to heaven. So it's applied to our, our supernatural inheritance in heaven. And of course, that's anticipated by, as it were, the holy land on earth, which is the church. Um, so the those who are meek will inherit the, the land, as it were, in this life <clears throat> by taking the the top positions of honor not necessarily hierarchically but the positions of virtue and so forth the high in the hierarchy of sanctity in the church in this life but also the their their real reward's going to be in heavenly beatitude now remember about each one of these i said that there's something of an anticipation of heavenly beatitude even in this life saint thomas makes that very, very clear. It's not just a matter of the reward. We have to wait to, for the reward in heaven. There's an anticipation of that reward, even in this life, by the, the supernatural happiness that the those who live the life of the Beatitudes uh, get, receive and live. Okay? So, for instance... Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. We're back to the first one again. So, well, how do you anticipate that in this life? How can you possibly anticipate having the kingdom of heaven in this life? Well, I'll, I'll quote a saint that I don't normally quote, because I think she's, I, I don't want to say she's overrated or anything, but she's very popular, and, and, and I guess enough people quote her, but this is um, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. She had this, saying that the road to heaven is heaven all the way. Now there's a way that that could be terribly misunderstood. Um so that so as to mean that saints are always smiling and everything's easy for them and sweet and it's just like it is in heaven. There's no conflict, there's no trouble, nothing. No, not at all. I mean uh, but what it means is that for those who live the life of the beatitudes, this is how I interpret what she meant. For those who live the life of the beatitudes, their heaven is, in a sense, anticipated in their own life. They can taste it. It's sweet. They, they, they all, they, they, it, it's not that they're presumptuous and they, quote, know that they're going to get it because they, they all know that they could fall. But they already have the joy that comes from living the life of high virtue activated by the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So they're experiencing a sort of anticipated happiness of heaven, even in this life. Um, and, and if if you're if you're out there saying well that doesn't correspond to anything in my experience well um, neither me actually I think I think a couple of times I've sort of glimpsed at it but this is something that the great saints have remember we're talking about the height of the, the life of, of uh, virtue in this life okay blessed are um, are the meek for they shall possess the land again well how do you possess the land I mean if the land is your heavenly inheritance well Again, you can sort of, by by way of anticipation, you're living a sacramental life, you're aware that you're among, you're a fellow citizen with all of the saints, as St. Paul calls the people to whom he's writing in his own day. So we we have a fellowship, even in this life, with the angels and with the saints in heaven. And the great saints who lived lived the life of the Beatitudes, they felt close to the saints in heaven. They felt close to the angels. Some of them, don't forget, some of you probably read Lives of the Saints and so forth. Like, I think, Gemma Galgani is an example. St. Francis of the Sales is an example. Some of the saints had familiar intercourse with their own guardian angels. Sometimes they could see them. Sometimes they could talk to them, and the angel would actually talk back. Um, so th- this cognizance of being a citizen of heaven was something that was found in these great saints. Blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. Okay. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Um, Brother Francis in the lecture talks about how our Lord didn't come with any kind of like a social program. There wasn't some modern, oh, I'm going to end poverty. You know, we're going to have a war on poverty. Or we're going to, you know, have social programs and, and everybody's going to be able to live off of the government. Um, the, the closest that, I mean, when, when when the people followed our Lord because they had seen the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, he ran away from them. They wanted to make him a king. And he ran away. And I once heard a beautiful sermon from a priest who said, our Lord didn't want to be the bread king. <laughs> <laughs> our Lord did not. He didn't want to institute some sort of a socialist monarchy where everybody's just sort of living off the the miraculous produce of the state
0: yeah and brother that was
1: that uh, wasn't what he was there for brother
0: there w- uh, what there was another uh, lecture where, uh, where brother francis explained this um and i think he was in uh De Hominay, and he said that you know the, the the first word spoken blessed are the poor in spirit that uh, that was shocking because the jews had expected when the messiah was going to come that he would come uh to rule the physical world and to help them win wars and to be more prosperous and dominate over the Philistines or whoever was their enemy at the time. And uh, that kind of dovetails with what you're saying. But before you answer, let me give an ID real quick. This is the Crusade Channel. This is the Philosophy of Peninnas live classroom and chat room. We are here every Wednesday night. You are welcome to join. It's free of charge. Don't cost nothing. If you're interested in the Dahomine Lecture Series or any of the other magnificent lecture series from Brother Francis that are on sale and available at Brother's website. Simply, you go to catholicism.org, and uh, if you search around there, you will find they are available either in CD or download form. Um, and uh, if uh, you send Brother Andre a note, he's hiding in plain sight via email. He's bam, B-A-M, at catholicism.org. Tell him you heard about him on the Crusade Channel or through me, Mike Church. And uh, brother, will also offer you a discount on purchasing the entire philosophy of set. Any one of the individual uh, lectures that you'd like to listen to, although I suggest you get all eight. And certainly the homine lecture. Also, uh, the Crusade Channel at crusadechannel.com is the home for the Reconquest radio show, which is now in week number. Now, brother, you somehow managed during a silent retreat to provide an episode last week. So you kind of threw me off. Is my count in <laughs> 76 now? No, no,
1: we're at we we're at 73. Oh, 73.
0: Um, now, how did you pull the miracle of uh, the Silent Retreat broadcast, and what is on tonight's broadcast?
1: <laughs> well, the miracle of the Silent Retreat broadcast is, of course, the Wednesday night when I always record the week before. The, you're generally on Friday of the week before. Okay. Um, so I did something that week that week uh and actually no I I didn't I had one pre-recorded with Sister Maria Philomena the one on the temperaments was pre-recorded because one time she came to we recorded two shows in one pop and I just said you know on Good Friday I am not gonna have a recording so we uh we had that one in the hopper ready to go and then when I got back from my retreat I said oh no I need to do something for next week. And I had all this other catch-up work to do, so I actually took an old conference talk of mine and repurposed it and turned it into an episode of Reconquest. <laughs> okay. so, so that's how. So that's how we get Sanctity, Our Counter-Revolutionary Grand Strategy, which is tonight's which is tonight's episode.
0: So Sanctity, Our Counter-Revolutionary Grand Strategy, and that's you and Sister Philomena? Uh,
1: no, it's just me. Well, you're getting really good at this solo act, brother. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's not, that's not for me to judge, but um, I, I, I guess I'm really lazy trying to line up guests. <laughs> well, I... I don't know how you guys do it.
0: Well, uh, you don't want to know. Um, we have bookers, actually, that do it, uh, and, I, and I might be able to assist you with that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the grand strategy because there's, if there's one thing... The Crusade Channel and our Crusade, uh, which uh, brother began in what, 1948, uh, uh, from uh, from Father Feeney. Yeah, yeah. And, well, in the 40s he started. Yeah, in the 40s. Uh, 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 it's been quite a uh, a long time coming to to, to see the Crusade bear uh, bear a little fruit. But but I'll tell you, just as a side note, a long time ago, you gave me something that you told me that I probably would enjoy listening to. I never got a chance to. And somehow I got lost in this melange of digital trash that I have on a hard drive. And I was cleaning it out today because I needed to make some room. And uh, I found some Father Leonard Feeney from the housetop radio shows.
1: Really? Okay, so that would have been a handful of um, when he guest, he he actually guest hosted for, um, believe it or not, he guest hosted for... Oh wait! You mean oh, you mean the Father Feeney updates that Brother Francis did? Uh, I'm not. I didn't get a chance to listen to them. Yeah, uh, that's different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Father Feeney shows. He actually Father Feeney did a handful of guest hosts for for uh, Bishop Sheen back in the day.
0: Yeah, these are Father Feeney update radio programs. Yeah, that's for the Francis. Oh, okay.
1: Well, be he, and he he did that with an old ABC radio guy. He's a friend of ours, still still around, very old guy. Yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah,
0: I, I I've got them. So I loaded them up on the Dropbox, and I'll be uh, listening to them now. But I had completely forgotten you had given them to me, and I'm very excited to listen to them. So, uh, brand new episode of Reconquest coming up tonight at 7 Central, that's 8 Eastern. And, of course, Brother is uh, rebroadcasting every night now, 6 to 8 p.m., so if you missed any Reconquest episodes, you can always catch them Monday through Friday right here on the Crusade Channel. Great stuff to listen to if that's your time home. Uh, Brother will explain items of the faith to you in as detailed and complete a manner as anyone that I have ever heard. And uh, also... Uh, If you missed any of the previous episodes and you're a Founders Pass member, then you have access to download all of them. And if you're looking for a catalog of what the episodes may have had or contained or guests, well, you can search our site at crusadechannel.com for a more detailed listing that is a complete C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T in the Old English. uh, Go to reconquest.net. All right, brother, so uh, we are making our way through Dahomey Lecture number 10 here on the Crusade Channel on a Wednesday night, April 26th. We are live, and uh, we have crossed the uh, theologic Rubicon. There is no going back to the terra firma of the material world. We are now firmly ensconced in the supernatural world. Let's continue, shall we?
1: Okay, so let so let's continue. We are we are on. I, I think I mentioned that you can really note the supernatural character of the Beatitudes when you're talking about the Beatitude. Uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, because here you have somebody that's, um, you know, you're saying another word for blessed. By the way, is happy. Okay, blessedness is kind of a supernatural. It's an elevated sort of happiness. And Brother did make this comment that in many of the new translations, they say happy. The Beatitudes start with, with uh, happy, happy, happy is he, etc. But um, here you're saying happy is somebody that mourns, right? Wow. Uh, seems almost contradictory. Um, but there's going to be a reward, and there's going to be uh, there's going to be a comfort that comes from that. Even this life, if you mourn what is truly evil, if you're sorrowful for uh, for true evils, for uh, for your own sins, for other people's moral evils, uh, you you are going to get a reward, and you can even be rewarded in this life with a supernatural sort of comfort but obviously that will be rewarded at its height in heaven, okay? The next one is, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall have their fill. And Francis was always quick to point out that justice, this is not the beatitude for, say, the social justice warrior, okay? Um, This is not the beatitude for the person who necessarily wants to right every wrong on this earth, but it is the beatitude Biblically, the concept of justice is is um, of sanctity, of holiness. This goes back to the Old Testament. The right is right. The Latin word used just means squared off. Um, so he's right. There's crooked about him. Literally, in Latin, it, it, it connotes something not crooked, something straight, square, actually. So St. Joseph, the man, is portrayed holding a carpenter square, not just because he was a carpenter, because, but because that carpenter square symbolizes being squared off, in other words, made right. So it's the same as righteousness. So those who suffer after, those who rather hunger after and thirst after, justice righteousness holiness they shall have their fill so this is so it, it's it's not like having your fill of your favorite ice cream or your favorite soda or your favorite wine or whatever your favorite material good because it's an it's it's not something that is a material thing everything else, everything material that you want you can have too much of and it can be to your detriment but spiritual goods not only Can you not have too many of them? But the more you have of them, the more other people have of them, because the saints don't fight over sanctity. The saints don't say, hey, wait, give me that faith, give me that hope, give me that charity, that's mine. (laughs) They're not going to get in a fight over charity. St. Augustine actually makes a big point about this. Um, in one of his works, I forget which one, but he makes a big point about how these these uh, non-material, spiritual goods of the soul are things that, that we can get and keep getting and keep getting, and they don't run out. But the goods of this earth eventually run out. And people, I think, I guess it was Margaret Thatcher that said that socialism doesn't work because eventually you run out of other people's money. Um, And of course, thieves are all going to be trying to steal from, eventually they'll try to steal from each other if the only people with the money is the thieves. But the saints can grow in faith, hope, and charity. It can grow in the virtues, can grow in in the life of holiness without diminishing the holiness of the other saints, okay? So you can truly have your fill of this kind of of this thing after which you hunger and thirst, this justice, this holiness, without without harming another person, so that he can't get it. Huh? Um, the 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 next beatitude is blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And of course, uh, uh, mer- mercy is is an act. Um, and it, it's it's an act. It, it's actually a virtue. To be merciful is to is to be possessed of a virtue. But the, the in in its height, the uh, uh, mercy is an act of virtue uh, uh, that is easy. It's done with great ease, and it's done with the assistance of the gifts of the Holy Ghost uh, and the and the promises that you will obtain mercy. Now remember, we have a contrary example of this too. Remember the parable of the merciless servant. There's the guy that um, there's the guy that gets forgiven the debt by his master, right? And then and then he goes out, and one of his own fellow servants owes him money, and he starts throttling the guy, beating him up, in other words, and says, "Pay what thou owest," which is exactly what his master told him, and the master forgave him the debt. And then he went and he beat up this fellow servant of his to get the debt from him. And and the the other servants saw this and they went and ratted him out to the to the big boss man. And the master came back and said, "I forgave you all the debt you should have forgiven your fellow servant." So uh, he he punished him severely. Okay, for that. And th- this of course is a lesson. God is merciful to us, therefore we ought to be merciful to each other. So there we have a. A beautiful, I mean, a harsh, kind of frightening, contrary example of this beatitude of blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's sort of like that line from the Our Father, where we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're, con- we're conditioning God's forgiveness of us upon our own forgiveness of other people. That's right. And specifically to forgive wrongs, and, and again, this is strict theology here. This is according to St. Thomas anyway, specifically to forgive other people. The act of forgiveness is an act of the virtue of mercy. So if you want to know how to be merciful, well, forgiving the wrongs that people have that other people have done to you, that's the that's a perfect example and I make no pretense that it is easy to do that. Um, but when you when you look at it as a beatitude, it is easy. Because the person who has the beatitudes is living the life of grace at a very high level. Um, next, we have blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Now, there's an interesting thing here um, when you talk about... The, uh, the clean of heart, of course, this is a reference to sexual purity. Now, it, more generally, it, it can mean a, a cleanness of heart all the way around, like a purity of intention, for instance, always being f- fixed on the the, the, the thing before, before you and so forth. Uh, but clean of heart is generally a reference also more specifically to purity, to, se- to purity in sexual matters. And there's an interesting connection here between cleanness of heart and seeing God. And, and remember, these are ultimately fulfilled in heaven, but they're anticipated on this earth. How on earth, literally, can you see God? How can you see God on earth? Well, if you're if you're clean of heart and you're not, you know, constantly thinking of impure things, or you can't look at other people, especially people of the opposite sex or whatever, without thinking, um, without being misled or sidelined or distracted by impure thoughts, then if you have that clear vision, if you have that innocence of heart, then you can look at other people and not only not see evil, but you can even see God in them. So you can see God everywhere. And in fact, the pure in heart, St. Paul says that uh, to the evil, all things are evil. And there, there are some people that just see evil everywhere. Um, and it really, it's more them <laughs> than right. everywhere. Yeah, the earth is full of wickedness, right? But for the person who sees nothing good anywhere, that's a problem with himself. Um, you've, we've had great saints who have been in prisons and who have been happy in prisons. St. Saint, uh, Saint Maximilian Kolbe died uh, after having been starved almost to death, but they, they couldn't kill him. He survived everybody else in the starvation uh, bunker. They injected him with carbolic acid. That's how they finally got rid of him. Yeah, so he died with an injection of carbolic acid in his arm, which I understand is quite unpleasant. The executioner the executioner converted. The executioner said, the man died with a smile on his face. He'd, he'd never seen anything like this. So uh, <clears throat> the reason I bring this up is because in that hell of a, of a Nazi concentration camp, Saint Maximilian Kolbe brought happiness, and he could see God everywhere. He could see, and I don't mean to say I don't mean to say um, he had a mystical vision of God every place he looked. That's not what I mean. He could see God in other people. He could even see God in evil people. As as the creator of these evil people, as the redeemer of these evil people, and as somebody who could operate in them to bring them into the fellowship of the saints too, so th- that, there's a there's a whole lot to this clean of heart business. It's more than just not looking at pornography. <laughs> it's more <laughs> than just not falling into the into the the crass and 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 uh, uh, humiliating sins. Of, of impurity yeah brother you, remember in one of the
0: earlier lectures uh, in cosmology brother francis had said that uh what what you're talking about right here uh all kind of revolves around uh, and this is in one of the earlier uh, uh lectures in cosmology kind of revolves around what every philosopher and what every saint or every holy person has and that is that sense of wonder that he called it And, and wonder is seeing God, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's associated with being childlike as well. That's right. That's what
0: he said. That's exactly what he said.
1: Yeah. It's associated. I mean, you know, when our Lord talks about, you know, that we have to be like little children, this is a perfect example. Children, you know, yeah. Children have concupiscence. They might eat too much ice cream. They, They, you know, they, 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 want what they want when they want it and so forth. But one, ask, one way in which we, we see innocence in a, ch- in a child is in this area, okay? They haven't, they haven't been afflicted with their hormones yet. And uh, they, they can look all around and not be, they can look around, quote-unquote, innocently and not be taken by those particular temptations, not be snared by those temptations. And the, 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 the person who's living the life of Beatitudes although he's obviously going to be careful to avert his eyes from something. He's not going to be gawking at members of the opposite sex, just going around inviting occasions of sin. The, but the point is that he can look around with a certain confidence and not be constantly assailed by these things because he's operating at a higher level. He, doesn't, he, he has not allowed to, himself to be dragged down to that level, either that or having been dragged down to that level, He's worked hard to get out of it, and now he has, in a sense, reclaimed his childhood innocence. His youth has been uh, renewed like the eagles, to use the the language of, uh, I think it's Psalm 90, I forget, but one of the Psalms talking about our youth being renewed like the eagles, because they thought that the eagles uh, died and resurrected. Um, Brother, we have about a little over two minutes. That's all we got left?
0: That's all we got left. Time flies when you're philosophizing fun.
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Um, and and St. Thomas says that this blessed are the peacemakers, that that, that requires a, the, the gift of wisdom, because only the person who has wisdom, which is the highest of the gifts, uh, can be a peacemaker. And the peacemakers are called children of God because, hey, our Lord is the Prince of Peace, and he's the ultimate child of God. Um, Those suffer persecution for justice' sake. So there's a blessing for suffering persecution. And again, this is purely supernatural, purely evangelical. This is not at all pagan. This is not at all natural speaking. Um, There's a blessedness to, to to suffering. Although I just learned recently that Plato said, that if the the divinity were to reveal himself in human form, there would be only one way to do it, that it would be worthy of the divinity, and that was under the guise of the just man suffering, which rather stunned me that Plato would have had that insight.
0: That is kind of surprising, seeing as how Plato uh, and Brother uh, Francis in many instances, even though he said he was one of the wisest men uh, or most intelligent men that ever lived, uh, was the fountain from which most of the modern philosophical errors came. That you wouldn't have, Immanuel uh, Kant wouldn't have been following Aristotle to the letter or St. Thomas to the letter. He would have been following Plato. Brother, we have uh, just about 45 uh, seconds left to go, so why don't we go ahead and promote episode number 73 of Reconquest, which will air in about oh, four minutes or so, right here on the Crusade Channel, and uh, resolve that we'll pick up the uh, the end of number 10 with the reflection on the Psalms that Brother asked for, and then go ahead with and proceed with number lecture number 11 next week. How's that sound?
1: That's a, so, so you want to pick up with the psalms next week? With, well, no, or, it,
0: in the notes it says there's notes on psalms at the end. Yeah.
1: Okay. okay, I'll pick up. Sure, we'll pick up with where we left off on 10 next week. Sounds sure. good. This is the Philosophia
0: Perennis de Homine live classroom and chat room here on the Crusade Channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers.